When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 yards later. Welcome in to another edition of the 25 Yards Later podcast. I'm Nick Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika. And we are firmly in uh, free agency. Um, the, most of the big moves have been made, so we decided to do a little bit of a free agency recap. Um, talk about you know who all has changed teams that could be fantasy relevant and make a really big impact Um whether for themselves or for the players around them. So, Elijah, if you're ready, yeah. let's get into it. Let's dive right in. Uh, first name, we're going to do uh, gonna do these by position. So we've got quarterbacks coming up first. And, you know, the first name is my favorite uh, favorite player, Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, he's got, his own, he's got his own radio network, apparently, we learned in our last episode. I don't know if he's going to uh, get to keep that, though, since it was Chicago area. Um, I don't think Buffalo will have him. Um, but, no, let's not talk about Mitch Trubisky. Um, I'd imagine it takes a lot of money to relocate a radio network. <laughs> a local <so>. radio network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's not making much money anymore, so... Uh, yeah. Anyways, obviously that's a that is a jokey Jokerson. Um, quarterbacks. I mean, the most uh, most interesting name that in this whole group, at least the biggest name, I think, is uh, that the Cowboys finally uh, decided to pay Dak, uh, which is a bit of a free agent. That uh, I don't know. He's been franchised, and then now he signed a deal, a long term four-year deal uh which i think is if he bounces back from the injury is gonna look pretty good um but talk to me about uh what you think of Dak or what you think of some of these other names that move teams let's get a little rundown yeah i'm you know hopefully Dak will return to full health like we all know he was on a historic pace last year so a healthy Dak is good for fantasy football. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a lot of wide receivers to throw the ball to that all of, you know, the top three of which are fantasy relevant. Um, a healthy Dak probably means a much more effective Ezekiel Elliott. Um, maybe even a tight end emerges from uh, for them. So, yeah, um, definitely rooting for healthy Dak um to return it just makes both that team that division and all of their fantasy assets a lot more interesting um we've got some other deals here so um i think we may have talked about these ones briefly but uh are in our last episode but carson wentz jared goff and matt stafford all moving teams via trade um some other deals of note, uh, Cam Newton was retained by the Patriots. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick went over to the 2021 <laughs> NFC East champion Washington football team. Uh, <laughs> your, your guy Andy Dalton to the Bears. Um, and then some more kind of backup type moves that I think are 
somewhat interesting for either what they tell us about, um, I, I guess, what their team thinks of their starters. So Jacoby Brissett to the Dolphins, Tyrod Taylor and Ryan Finley to the Texans, and Mike Glennon to the Giants. Um, so, Elijah, who all stands out from this group to you? I know Andy's your guy. I don't know if you want to talk about him now. Yeah, I'll, I'll save that moment. I gotta gotta get myself prepared. Um, I mean, obviously, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is interesting. Um, I think they're gonna be. I don't know that I think they're gonna be as good as you think they're gonna be, um, but I think they'll be a pretty good team. But the most intriguing for me is kind of is really Tyrod Taylor in this list, um, because he could be walking into a starting job there. I mean, mm-hmm. I. You know, obviously, depending on whatever happens uh, in all of the different ways for uh, Deshaun Watson there, I don't think this is the uh, the spot to get into all of that necessarily. But there's a potential for Tyrod Taylor to have a, a starting gig. And we know that he's mm-hmm. a top 10 to top 15 quarterback, can be, um, with his rushing ability, the last time okay. that we've seen him take a a full season, you know, it's he has that cheat code for fantasy football. Um, he's not obviously a, a world breaking quarterback, um, but for fantasy, if you can run, then you can score points. And there are more runners than there were the last time that he was relevant. But you know, in a two quarterback league, like potentially a two quarterback dynasty league, where you know, you only have two starting quarterbacks like you and I do. Um, maybe he's worth scooping up. Um, so, I mean, Houston is a dumpster fire, but I think that's uh, a little bit of uh, something that you could get out of that dumpster fire that could be a relevant streamer um, or a relevant two quarterback player. Um, but I'll, I'll let you go ahead and talk about your favorite guy, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then I'll talk about my favorite guy, Andy Dalton. I w- just going back to Tyrod Taylor, I was wondering where you were going with all that. <laughs> <laughs> You're like top 10 or top 15, and I've just looked at our Zoom camera like top 10 or top 15 backup? Like what? <laughs> where is this going? Um, uh, yeah, he he can be fine for fantasy on his own. He's, you know, in a two-quarterback league, sure. If you're looking for like Brandon Cooks to or David Johnson to be fantasy relevant, he's not the person that you want, no, I don't think. No, they're um, going to be terrible. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he could certainly be a serviceable quarterback, too, in a super flex or something. Um, I I don't think he has much of a chance of getting, even with his rushing, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Certainly not a top 15, even real life quarterback um and you know like i said the weapons will suffer if he's the quarterback by quite a bit um but uh yeah sure if he's uh <laughs> if he ends up being the guy um yeah if and you're in a two quarterback league go for it yeah well, um, there you go you just uh <laughs> <laughs> crapped all over my hot take <laughs> Yeah, it's a little uh, rich, but I think he's uh I don't know. He's got some some streamer potential, we'll say. Let's talk about another streamer potential, shall we? 
Sure. Um, so Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think that, you know, we already saw last year with the Washington football team, they, their defense was good, um, at points like elite, their weapons were serviceable or had potential is just, you know, the quarterbacks play wasn't there. So, um, you know, Alex Smith came in and was able to stabilize the position a little bit, but was not doing anything flashy, um, at, you know. As he does. Whenever, yeah, so either he or, you know, the other rotating cast were uh, at best kind of serviceable, whereas we've seen Ryan Fitzpatrick has a chance to really be something more than that. Um, so I think that he could very well be the piece that they need to repeat as I know a very disappointing as a division champ. <laughs> yeah. A very disappointing division champion this year, but I think that he could be the piece that they need to flip around that record to a 10 and six type, uh, record. Um, I think one more that is interesting to me just because I think, again, it tells us something about what they think of their starter is Mike Glennon going to the Giants, mostly because I don't view think that that's a move you make if you are thinking that your starting quarterback is going to get benched at some point. Mm. Uh, we we know at this... Yeah, we know at this point that Mike Glennon is not the long-term answer for anyone. So, um, and as we'll see as we go through these uh, free agent signings, it seems like they are really trying to both surround uh, Daniel Jones with talent around him, as well as not really give him too much of a worry from his backups or planning him. So that one was one that I think kind of tells me that you know they're kind of in this at least for this year um to see where it goes yeah and it doesn't seem like they're gonna be they pick at 11 in the draft so it doesn't seem like they're probably gonna be drafting one of those uh later you know fourth or fifth best quarterbacks in the draft so it seems like they're sticking to daniel jones um <laughs> I mean, he is interesting to me. I, I, he has certainly a much better chance of being a top ten quarterback this year in <laughs> fantasy Taylor. than Tyrod Taylor does. Um, uh, that's and, a fair point. And I, I've been trying to make a cup. I've been trying in the one dynasty league to pick him up, but we have differing views on his value right now. <laughs> but um. I, he is someone to me that if you're in a super flex or are looking to take a risk at the back of your draft on a quarterback, um, you know, he is someone that is interesting to me for the upgraded weapons and for the rushing ability. Yeah, I see that. Um, um, and wrapping back around to Fitzpatrick, I think that is also a move that really tells you what the team is thinking of what they want to do at the position that, you know, Alex Smith really didn't cut it for them. And he, I mean, the dude came back from thinking he was never going to walk again. So I, I can't imagine that he plays much more football. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and then beyond that, they just had, I mean, really nobody, 
Um, although they did have the quarterback that played the Bucks the better than any other quarterback in the playoffs last year. But, you know, they didn't really have a franchise guy. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is also not a franchise guy, but he's a professional quarterback that has upside. And so I think signing him really shows you what that team is thinking, which is we have a good team around him. We just need a professional quarterback and we can be a, a legitimate playoff team and they don't pick high enough in the draft to be in the QB market this year. So go and get a, a serviceable uh, quarterback now, not break the bank to try and trade for somebody and then ruin the rest of your team. I thought it was a really smart move. Yeah, it's one of my favorites of the offseason, I think. I mean, it's just, it, it fits so well, and it's <laughs> it <fits>. one where, <laughs> uh, yeah, it just, it makes sense. Um, along those same lines, what does Andy Dalton to the Bears tell you, Elijah? Uh, that Mitchell Trubisky's terrible. Um, also, Mitchell Trubisky no longer being on the team tells me that he's terrible. Um, but Andy Dalton to the Bears tells me that the Bears are going to be bad. Uh, I love Andy. Um, I think, you know, my, my hot take in this environment is that they've put together two quarterbacks that choke, but they choke at different times. You know, Andy Dalton is a great regular season quarterback, you know, six straight playoff appearances with the Bengals but never got that playoff win. He just could not do it. But Nick Foles, terrible in the regular season, not a very good record when he's had a starting job, and he hasn't really started for long, consistent periods. But playoff Nick Foles, you know, that's a Super Bowl champion quarterback. So really what this tells me is that the Bears picked up Andy to be the starter for the first 16 or 17 games. And then if they can make the playoffs with regular season Andy, then Nick Foles is going to be their starter. Um, yeah, obviously that's totally ridiculous and that's never going to happen. But I, I just thought it was a, a funny thing that I noticed here, uh, that they have two guys that just can't perform for an entirety of a season but can do really well in uh, different ways. I mean, I think you know it was obvious that the Bears were not going to get Russell Wilson they you know weren't gonna they draft like super late they draft at 20 um so they're obviously not drafting a quarterback uh Andy Dalton is solid um these I mean he's as good as Ryan Fitzpatrick with a little less upside um he's at least gonna take care of the ball in a way that Mitchell Trubisky never did um, and I think he can support the fantasy options there. Um, and he has had good seasons. It's just been a minute. Uh, but really, like, this just tells you that the Bears are just going to keep sucking, and it's sad, but Allen Robinson's going to get 140 targets, and he'll be good at least. And uh, that's that. But I love my guy, Andy. I'm glad that he's getting another chance to start. Um it just stinks that he's going to be on another bad team. I mean, unless he starts the whole regular season, they make the playoffs and right. then Super Nick Bowl Foles, champion. Yeah. 
Andy right there. Dalton. The, that's what I'm hearing is uh, Super Bowl champion Chicago Bears 2021 because uh, it's Andy a bold Dalton strategy. and Nick Foles split time. It's definitely a, a dodgeball true underdog story uh, type of strategy, <laughs> but the Bears haven't been good for a long time, so they need to mix it up and uh, try a little average Joe's. Um. Anyways, that's probably too deep a cut for most folks, but I love that movie. Um, but yeah, so Andy Dalton to the Bears, it just means that the Bears are going to stink, but Allen Robinson will be okay. Uh, and I'm glad to see that my guy Andy's getting another chance to start because he seems like a good human and a decent yeah. quarterback. Yeah. All right. So if you, I think we're done here with quarterbacks. So yeah. let's move on to some of the running back signings. Yeah, quarterbacks have definitely... Um, I mean, they're the most important position in the sport, but I don't think, aside from those early trades, you know, the Matt Stafford and the Carson Wentz trade and then Dak getting re-signed, like, I don't see any of these other deals as, like, really going to be super impactful in much of a way. Um, but some of these running backs, uh, I definitely think, do have a chance to have some impact. Um, so what do you think? You go ahead and kick this one off. Yeah, so... Um we have Marlon Mack, Theo Riddick, Aaron Jones, and Chris Carson all returning to their original teams. So Colts, Raiders, Packers, and Seahawks, respectively. Um, plus uh, free agent sightings of Matt Breida to the Bills, um, Malcolm Brown to the Dolphins, uh, both kind of more backup type things. Mm-hmm. Um Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay to the Texans. Both um, more Car- kind of like backup like things. <laughs> yeah, I will say that Philip Lindsay is a little more interesting. Mark Ingram, uh, I do think, is probably someone that mm, there's a chance might not make the team. He's a but, hype man. He was signed to be a hype man. Yeah, um, but not not playing for a whole lot of money is getting up there in age and has not been effective the last couple of years or last year certainly. Um, Carlos Hyde to the Jaguars, um, Kenyon Drake to the Raiders, which we're going to get into, uh, Devontae Booker to the Giants, Lamar Miller to the, uh, football team and Jamal Williams to the Lions. So Elijah, which one of these, um, signings definitely pique your interest? Well, I'll try to give you a a better answer than how I started the last one. (laughs) Um, the one for me, I mean, I think Aaron Jones coming back to the Packers means great stuff for uh, the Packers and great stuff for Aaron Jones, um, especially with Jamal Williams being out of the picture there. Um, so that's really like, if we're talking fantasy, the biggest winner of this list, I think, is Aaron Jones for just staying put. Um, he has familiarity and trust with Aaron Rodgers. And whenever you have double errands, then that's going to be great. Um, But the one that really, to me, is most interesting, but in a bad way, is our, you know, one of our top five least favorite players on the podcast is Kenyon Drake going to the Raiders, especially because the Raiders, like, traded away their entire offensive line. And you're thinking, like, oh, okay, that you know if your your defense sucks maybe you're trying to save some money uh go spend it on the defense and then they freaking spend it on Kenyon Drake when they have Josh Jacobs uh and Kenyon Drake's fine but he's not as good as Josh Jacobs um so I don't know that's really that's the one that sticks out to me um 
I was really happy to see a couple of these moves um, in the sense that they don't affect the other options too strongly. Like Carlos Hyde, the Jaguars, everybody was worried that James Robinson was going to see another uh, back go to that backfield and really supplant him or take a lot of his touches. And Carlos Hyde is fine, but I still think that James Robinson is going to have a really solid uh, command of that backfield. So I'd like to see that. Um, Marlon Mack back to the Colts. I don't think that he's really impacting Jonathan Taylor too greatly, especially coming off the injury. Um, and Chris Carson back to the Seahawks is going to be more of the same. Chris Carson's great. Um, but yeah, so Kenyon Drake is really the befuddling one. And I think because of that, I don't think you want him or Josh Jacobs in fantasy next year. Like, do you yeah. feel differently about it? Yeah, I think it definitely hurts both of them. Um, and now there's like talk about them playing Drake at receiver a little bit. So, you know, there's pro- certainly the possibility that they're on the field at the same time. But the step back that Kenyon Drake took last year in the receiving game, especially, was just bonkers. Stuff um, of nightmares for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I looked it up. So. It might not surprise you that, of course, he had fewer um, both targets and receptions than he did the previous year, but he also had fewer targets and receptions if than the previous year if you only count the eight games he was a Cardinal. Wow. So he got, so if you remember, he gets traded in the middle of the year. He had more targets and receptions for the rest of that year than he all did the entire following year yikes it's baffling i don't know if it's i don't know if it's coaching i haven't watched any you know arizona cardinals Kenyon drake film but that's such a colossal step back for a guy that was catching 50 plus balls a year before last year mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't uh, it definitely hurts both of them. I'm not super optimistic about Drake being a receiver. Um, they are almost like identical, like weirdly identical players. Um, uh, Josh Jacobs has had a little more success, but if you believe this, he actually had fewer yards per carry last year than Drake. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, neither were particularly involved in the passing game last year. And so, which is also baffling. Like Josh Jacobs has, he came out of college as primarily a receiving back. Like he wasn't really running between the tackles too much. And then he gets to the Raiders and Josh, uh, and Gruden is like, all right, we're never throwing you the ball. And we're so much never throwing you the ball that now we're going to sign a backup and talk about only throwing him the ball, which is like, I mean, I, I think it makes sense a little bit from a durability standpoint because Josh Jacobs has been hurt a lot. So they get somebody that can split the load with him. Um, but Josh Jacobs just needs to catch the ball. He'd be so good. But you're like, you know, making all of these steps to make it so that he's never going to get the ball passed to him. Um, I don't know. I'm a little heated about this move. This is baffling. Yeah, I don't like it. I wish that for both of their sakes, they would have gone 
or Drake would have gone somewhere else. Um, and I don't really anticipate this being a move that really impacts either of them, but the Raiders also still have Theo Riddick. <laughs> yeah, so, who like, also only catches passes. <laughs> so, and, like, you know, one of the best receiving backs in the league over the past decade last year on uh, he only played a handful of games but had five receptions last year like what are we doing here why why do we have these guys what are we how are we misusing them so badly yeah i i don't know but i will say one thing from that Kenyon drake move that is really intriguing to me is the team that he left the arizona cardinals who really only have chase edmonds in their backfield right now which I feel like that's got to change. Chase Edmonds is a smaller running back. He has never really, you know, had that, uh, you know, RB1 role on a team where he's getting all of the carries. But when he has gotten the carries in his limited usage, when there have been some injuries around him, he's been a total beast. Um, so I expect them to sign... a at least a, a backup or somebody to split time, or maybe they draft somebody. Um, but if they don't, or if all they draft is like a late round pick or they sign, a, you know, I don't know, Lamar Miller equivalent um, or something to really just doesn't have any juice left, then maybe Chase Edmonds without Kenyon Drake there uh, could be like a top 15, especially in PPR top 15 running back next year. Yeah, um, another pe- person to look um, or to consider if you're maybe looking for a late round flyer, um, the backup there could potentially end up being Eno Benjamin. Um, E-N-O is the uh, first name. Hmm. Um, I think was a rookie last year. He's super young. He's only 21. But um, yeah, very well could be the next um, guy up behind um chase edmonds Edmonds. (laughs) yeah Yeah. sorry um i've got like multiple things uh because i'm also trying to think so about like player sizes so you know benjamin's 59207 let's see this is going to be great podcasting of me just looking up uh uh, also 59 um but then i'm also thinking about another person that i want to see their comp so austin eckler according to pro football reference 510 200 so i mean you know if we believe in austin eckler which i know neither of us necessarily want him as our rb1 um you're probably going to have to draft him as your rb1 but um if you could get him as your rb2 both of us i think prefer that love that yeah but um yeah i if he's someone that we still believe in still around that same size and is able to still be effective um so you know maybe chase edmonds maybe you know benjamin could be the next austin eckler i think it's possible i'm not ruling it out yeah i mean i think chase edmonds could certainly i mean I've never heard of Eno Benjamin before, so that's a deep cut that is deeper than uh, I have gone. Um, but, I mean, Chase Edmonds, yeah, similar size to Eckler, and I think could 
serve that same role. He's a really good pass catcher. He's great in space, reliable hands. Um, I think it's just been a matter of health so far um, and a matter of having, you know, you have David Johnson there, you have Kenyon Drake there who are more prototypical running backs that can also catch the ball then maybe doesn't get an opportunity. But if he gets opportunity, um, I definitely, especially if the value can slide a little bit to a later RB2 or even if you can draft him as an RB3, if Chase Edmonds is the only guy there, uh, I mean, I I would love to have that upside on my team. Um, what are these uh, other running backs? I kind of talked for a while and mentioned all the names, but what are these guys do you uh, think, these free agent running backs? Um, So Jamal Williams, I think, is interesting just because he's probably going to mess up DeAndre Swift a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen him kind of be a thorn in Aaron Jones's side for several years. Um, and Jamal Williams has oftentimes been a borderline flex um, as a standalone value just because of that. Um, I think that he becomes certainly one of the premier handcuffs, especially because uh, DeAndre Swift was injured a couple times last year. Mm-hmm. Um and we've seen when Jamal Williams can get into the lineup, at least in a Packers offense. I don't know about a Detroit Lions offense, but right. um, it's certainly in a Packers offense, he's been, uh, you know, better than expected. Um, he's also a really solid pass blocker, which has been a big part of his value to these different teams. Um, so... Yeah, you could definitely, if Swift has some issues in, uh, you know, blocking, then you could potentially see Jamal Williams on the field a little more than fantasy managers would want. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jamal Williams is a move that we haven't really talked about that um, stands out. I'm interested in what you think, because I know you've generally been more plugged in on Rams running backs than me. But Malcolm Brown to the Dolphins, do you have any thoughts about that? You know, Malcolm Brown is fine. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I think the Dolphins also have other guys that are fine. Um, I'm blanking on the guy that was their, uh, their starter last uh, year. Miles the- Gaskin. Yeah, uh, so like Miles Gaskin proved that he was pretty good. Um, Salvan Ahmed, I think, was the other guy mm-hmm. that had a couple weeks. That I mean, I I feel like Malcolm Brown is just another guy in that backfield. That he's always been another guy with the Rams. Um, I mean, when he's backing up Gurley in Gurley's heyday, like of course he's not going to see the field too much. Um, and then Cam Akers came in and was doing great. Um, so I, I really don't see it as doing too much. It's good depth. Uh, he has solid hands, doesn't really fumble too much. Um, is decent in pass protection, but there's nothing special about him. Um, so I don't think he really, if it ends up just being that running back room that the dolphins have right now, I think it's going to be miles Gaskin one and then some combination of the rest. Uh, so I think he definitely hurts Gaskin a little bit, but not enough to scare me off of that um 
Yeah, and just one more thought before, um, here in the running backs. Um, looked up Chase Edmonds' ADP right now in um, on Fantasy Football Calculator. Looks like right now, and I'm sure this will change over the next couple of months, but going all the way in the 7th. So if you could get Chase Edmonds in the 7th, which I don't... <laughs> You know, assuming they don't make any more moves, assuming that, um, you know, that he's the starter, I would take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, I think if he ends up being the starter, he'll probably climb up and be a third Mm -hmm. or fourth round pick. Um, But, I mean, I think if you can get that guy with that opportunity in the middle of the fourth, and all of this whole conversation may be a moot point uh, in a month after the draft, and we see them draft a running back in the second round, and maybe it won't matter. Um, but if, if he does have the job, um, I expect him to be a third or fourth rounder probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if nobody notices, then <laughs> scoop him up in the seventh for sure. <laughs> or if you're having like a dynasty startup that's happening right now mm-hmm. where that price probably actually is, you know, go for it. Uh, that would be a pretty ideal situation, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, next up is running backs. Um, so wide receivers. Yeah, wide receivers. <laughs> that's what I meant. That's <laughs> just staring at the W and the R on the show doc, and <laughs> the wrong words come out. Um, so it's highlighted by uh, Will Fuller going to the Dolphins, uh, Kenny Galladay uh, to the Giants. Um, and Curtis Samuel to the uh, Washington football team. Also have uh, Juju Smith-Schuster returning to the Steelers. Um, some sort of uh, lesser moves. Um, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne to the Patriots. Corey Davis and Keelan Cole to the Jets. Andre Roberts, De- uh, Dante Moncrief, and Alex Erickson to the Texans. Just... All the bottom of the barrel guys. Um, Marvin Jones to the Jags. Uh, John Ross also going with Kenny G to the Giants. Brashard Perriman and Terrell Williams to the Lions. AJ Green to the Cardinals. Deshaun Jackson to the Rams. John Brown to the Raiders. Sammy Watkins to the Ravens. And franchised were Chris, God- Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson. There's a lot of wide receivers moving around this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Take a breath. Take a breath. <laughs> um, so yeah, what? Um, while I'm recovering from all that, Elijah. <laughs> if in case you've, uh, hopefully you didn't fall asleep during all that. <laughs> but um, who all stands out to you um, as far as moves for wide receivers? Well, I really think the the biggest thought that I have about this wide receiver free agency is just how many guys took short-term deals i mean will fuller you know has had the suspension and had the health concerns um but he took a one-year deal to go to the dolphins uh like the longest deal was kenny galladay with four years and then curtis samuel got a three-year deal but beyond that there were no other deals of relevance you know that were three years or longer which is just so wild um because they're there were some players that could potentially garner more interest than they got. And I think that's just the nature of the, the cap space 
for the league right now. Um, I think that my <laughs> it's funny <laughs> to see basically the entire old guard of the Bengals wide receiver room <laughs> is gone. Um, I think that AJ Green to the Cardinals is actually really interesting. Um, if he has anything left, even if he just has left what he did last year, I think that really helps out their passing game uh, because Larry Fitzgerald is a million years old um, and they need somebody on the other side of Nuke Hopkins to draw some sort of defense. And AJ Green has always run really great routes, has really great hands. And so I think even though he's going to be totally irrelevant for fantasy, I think, um, but he is really going to help that offense and really boost Kyler Murray even more. Um, so I like that move just from an NFL standpoint. Uh, Alex Erickson, you know, another Bengals guy, you know, he's going to get lost in the Texans there, but he's a really re- reliable player and has been a Pro Bowl punt returner. Um, and yeah, he might be returner. the... <laughs> He might end up being the only one of those three that actually makes the team. Yeah, that's and I think it'll be on special teams. Um, and then Sean Ross is just like, I hated that draft pick when the Bengals took him and he's done nothing. Uh, and oh, I mean, hopefully he, he can do something for the Giants, but I don't really think he will. Um, so there's our, you know, my obligatory Bengals talk. Um, but I think that the the best move of all of these is what Curtis Samuel is going to do for the Washington football team. Uh, you know, we talked about how much we like that Ryan Fitzpatrick signing, and I think this is another one. Just the cast of weapons that they have there is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have Curtis Samuel, you have my guy Antonio Gibson, you have J.D. McKissick to a degree, who's just a solid pass catcher out of the backfield, um, who caught way too many passes last year, way more than he should have when they have Antonio Gibson. Um, And then you've got Logan Thomas um, and you obviously have Terry McLaurin uh, on the other side of the field. So just like so much speed. um, And if Brian Fitzpatrick can be a solid professional quarterback, I think they're really going to see a lot of great things out of that passing game and out of that offense. And I think Curtis Samuel started to show last year how reliable he was. He had like no drops on third down for the Panthers uh, and was just uh, Teddy Bridgewater's favorite third down target and really showed some of what he could do Um, and reuniting with Ron Rivera over in Washington. I think that move is going to be the best wide receiver signing of the offseason. I think even though there's so many weapons, he's still going to be wide receiver three-ish relevant for fantasy, I think. Um, along the lines of like an AJ Green type for me is, you know, where if they have something left, it's really interesting. Um, Deshaun Jackson to the Rams was something where I was, Mm. that came through and I was like, Ooh, that was a smart move. (laughs) That could, that could be something. Um, I, you know, he's been injured the better part of probably three or four years now, but, um, if he can stay healthy, you know, we could see where that was clicking a couple of years ago with um, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and um, Brandon Cooks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that he could definitely be that Brandon Cooks piece. So that's one of the more under the radar ones where I'm like, hmm, that that could really be a thing. 
Um, I think the one I'm most excited for is Will Fuller to the Dolphins. Um, mm. Not just because he's on my dynasty team and I have had him <laughs> multiple times over the years on teams, but, um, uh, you know, we've seen already with the Giants them trying to surround themselves with or surround Daniel Jones with pieces um and it's something that we saw maybe to a lesser extent last year with uh Josh Allen getting uh Stefan Diggs and some other pieces around him for the Bills mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that's really what a couple of these teams are chasing is you know if we can add some really quality weapons, you know, maybe we could take that step forward. Um, you know, we've seen kind of, uh, we, we all know that just the Dolphins offense was not as good with Tua as it was Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, there I looked up their um, intended air yards were almost identical. So 7.9 versus 7.7 on average. Um, but, uh, Fitzpatrick was definitely more efficient with those. So, um, their air yard differential, um, Tua was about a yard worse than, um, Fitzpatrick on average, where you want that to be, uh, uh, close to the intended air yards. Um, Tua's was two and a half or 2.3 yards less than his intended air yards, whereas Fitzpatrick's was only 1.4. So um, definitely Tua was less efficient, even though they were oftentimes throwing about as far downfield as Mm -hmm. they were. Um, And maybe that just comes with Fitzpatrick being more experienced. Um, So it's certainly something where Tua could take that step forward with a better weapon like uh, Will Fuller. And I've often liked the Dolphins' other wide receivers anyways. Um, Many of them have issues staying healthy. Except for Devontae Parker, who you never believed in until you couldn't deny it Parker. Devontae Parker won me a fantasy championship. Yeah, he's good. Um, so yeah, Will Fuller joining Devonte Parker, um, and some of those lesser players, I think they still have Jakeem Grant. I think he has a ACL. I didn't do any Jakeem Grant research before this. <laughs> um, as you shouldn't have, but Will Fuller, I think definitely could be a piece where, you know, we see Tua take not a Josh Allen sized step forward. Um, but a step forward. Um, let's see. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they use Will Fuller because part of the reason that the offense was bad, I think, was just because they didn't really call great games on offense last year either. Um, and they were really just trying to score like 12 points and have their defense win for them. Um, so I'm curious to see if in year two with uh, Tua, they're going to open it up a little bit um, and let him take some more chances. And he is great at you know putting the ball on the numbers. He's a generally, at least in college, was a really accurate quarterback. Um even though, as we've seen in the NFL, his deep passing has not been as good. And that's what Will Fuller has been known for with Deshaun Watson just being able to put the ball on a rope and hand it to him 70 yards downfield. 
um, downfield. But one thing that I think people haven't seen as much from or haven't noticed as much from Will Fuller is just how crisp of a route runner he is. And potentially they start using him more across the middle of the field, putting him in more yards after the catch situations. And he's just so fast. I think he could really thrive there. And I think that would match well with Tua getting the ball out quick, getting it to him on a slant, letting him run with it afterwards, uh, that we may see Will Fuller being more of a yards after the catch guy than this deep threat that he has been in Houston. Uh, and I think that would be a really smart way to use him that would elevate Tua and let him take that step. Um, and I think, you know, it can't be understated that the guy was coming off a, a blown up hip. Um, so I think that just another year removed from that injury is going to be helpful for him. What do you think this does for Devonte Parker though? Um, I mean, hopefully, you know, if the offense is clicking, it will raise all the, you know, it'll raise all the ships. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that, you know, more opportunities for, uh, red zone work, more sustained drives. Um, I, I think are all, anytime that the offense gets better, just in general, it can help all the pieces. So I don't think it negatively impacts him. I, to me, they're very different players. I know you were talking about their route running, but I still view Will Fuller as the more deep threat and um, Devontae Parker as the more middle of the field, you know, possession receiver. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely a, a much better contested catch guy like and he doesn't get open as easy as will fuller gets open yeah um so i don't think it i I think that it's probably a benefit to him less focus on him um you know does more sustained drives so yeah i'm not particularly worried about parker um so let's talk about um a little about juju returning to the steelers um do you they have definitely talent at their wide receiver position but we Mm -hmm. are worried about uh big ben Mm -hmm. um where would you rank the steelers receivers with juju returning and are you really interested in any of them yeah i was really i mean i think like everybody really surprised to see juju come back um but it's just, I think it's really just the nature of the cap situation that there wasn't really a market for, you know, all of these guys that are Kenny Galladay being the only one that really got a big deal. Um, so Juju was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll stay and then I'll go on the free agent market next season when teams have more money. Um, so I was surprised to see him back. And I, I'm very interested in Deontay Johnson, uh, even with a noodle arm, big Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I still... If he can, you know, I say this, uh, which is going to sound really funny, but if Deontay Johnson can consistently catch the ball, then Mm -hmm. he's going to be great, which is like (laughs) should be the first step to being a talented wide receiver. But like he runs routes so nicely. He gets open so nicely. He just dealt with some drops last season. Um, But I think he's a really talented player. Um, So I'd put them in, in the order that I had them in you know, by the time we were midway through last season, which is Deontay Johnson, then Juju, 
and uh, then Chase Claypool, who I think Claypool's going to take a step forward in year two, certainly. Um, but he's still you know, not going to catch more than 50 passes at the most, uh, especially in that offense, I think. So that limits his upside for me. What about you? Yeah, I think uh, that orders where I'm falling right now. I personally, I think that Deontay Johnson's probably very reasonably priced right now. So if I was to get any of them in general, it would probably be him. But I'm, I'll be surprised really if any of the three are on any of my season long teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think last year. Because uh, we did ask this question at late last year, um, and I think I came down Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Juju, mm-hmm. um, but I think I would move Juju back over Claypool just because um, Claypool kind of evaporated towards the end of the year with the exception of one game in the last game of the year, so... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's the order that I go to, I'll go to as well, but I don't think either of us are particularly expecting big things from a Ben Roethlisberger quarterback team in 2021. I mean, I, I will, I think that Deontay Johnson is going to be a wide receiver too. Um, so I do have more interest in him. Um, but I think all of them are really conservative, like being conservative that, they're all their upside is wide receiver three right now. I mean, Juju has been a wide receiver one, you know, top five mm-hmm. at the position before. Um, and so maybe that could happen again, but I really think that at best, you know, Juju and Claypool are wide receiver threes and Deontay Johnson's a wide receiver two. So they're not anybody that I'd be running out to go get, but it, I was really hoping that Juju would be gone, which would have made, Deontay Johnson and Claypool all the more interesting when you're only splitting the pie two ways. But uh, alas, we didn't mm-hmm. get that. Um, I did want to wrap back around a little bit to your Deshaun Jackson comment um, that he actually, if he can stay healthy, he has more opportunity for the Rams because uh, and this was a pretty recent within the last few days um, that Josh Reynolds went from the Rams mm-hmm. over to the Titans um, which is freeing up more space. So if Deshaun Jackson can be healthy, then he is, I mean, almost definitely going to be that wide receiver three on the team. And if he can't, then that's just more pieces of the pie for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Um, and they're upgrading at quarterback in Matthew Stafford. So I definitely like the options there. Yeah, I was actually going to bring up Josh Reynolds' um but for him on his own terms, um, poor guy didn't even make our initial rundown. But um, uh, joining the Titans is kind of interesting to me, especially with Corey Davis leaving. I think that he potentially slots into that role pretty well. Um, so I'm kind and of what role vaguely, is that though? I mean, of their like kind of one. B maybe AJ Brown is clearly I I I think sans Corey Davis AJ Brown clearly number one target um but I think Josh Reynolds could certainly be an effective wide receiver too on maybe do like 80 percent of what Corey Davis did last year which is fantasy irrelevant (laughs) 
Corey Davis was very fantasy relevant last year. Um, let me get his stats pulled up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. It, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to dispute the stats. Yes, he was better last year than he had been previously. Um, I'm just not super stoked about it. But they did, you know, and we'll get to this when we talk about tight ends, but Johnny Smith did leave as well. Um, and so there are more targets available for this team. Um I don't know. Maybe I'm just not much of a Josh Reynolds believer. Um, let me know what, so, what you find. So Corey Davis last year, 65 catches, 984 yards, and five touchdowns in only 14 games. So, you know, yeah, would have so been a thousand yard receiver, maybe another touchdown or so. That's, you know, receiver three. I, I, I think that he's, that Josh Reynolds is interesting. I've, you know, if you need a again a late round flyer, I can't imagine anyone is taking him. Right. Um. So <laughs> be me. So you know, if you're looking for someone, I think that that's that's an interesting one to me. Um. You know, has a chance for some real targets. We both believe in Ryan Tannehill. Um, if our dynasty league had its um had its waivers open up right now i'd snap i'd probably yeah. be snatching him right now um so yeah that that one to me is interesting um some other ones i just want to kind of touch on briefly um emmanuel sanders i don't have a lot of faith in to be fantasy relevant on his own outside of potentially tanking any gabe davis value um let's see marvin jones to the jaguars i signed me up <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really like that for the jags too that getting a reliable contested catch red zone wide receiver for trevor lawrence i i think it's a great signing and i've always liked mm -hmm. marvin jones again former Bengal marvin <laughs> jones i i think i've messaged this to you before uh, and you like really, I don't know if you really clicked when I did, but the history of Bengals wide receiver twos is really shocking, <laughs> like is, shockingly yeah. good. Yeah. Like TJ Hushmanzada, Marvin Jones, um, Muhammad Sanu, Muhammad Sanu. Like it, the, it, it's really very impressive. Tyler Boyd, like, yeah, we're, we're I'm good sure at I'm. I'm sure I've forgotten several, but those just those first couple that came to the top of my mind. Like, why aren't y'all better? <laughs> the Bengals are great at being second best, and that uh, goes for their wide receivers as well. I mean that that's a huge shot at AJ Green that I did not intend to make. <laughs> I love AJ Green, and he's you know an amazing player. But yeah, I mean we we have always had good wide receiver depth. Um, and great wide receiver twos, and some of them go elsewhere and play a lot better, <laughs> which is sad. Um, uh, the one, and then, go oh, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> oh, the last person I just wanted to say was Sammy Watkins to the Ravens. Could be, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it could be something. It's um, a good NFL move. I don't think it's a really, yeah, like relevant fantasy move. I think it might help at least mark andrews free up a little bit because they have to respect sammy watkins more than mm -hmm. uh who? hollywood and hollywood brown and um i don't remember their other Willie like Sneed? five foot seven 
they have another like five foot seven receiver too. Yeah. Um, so like you have to you have to defend Sammy Watkins a little bit more than you have to defend Willie Sneed, and I think that might help Mark Andrews, and I think it'll help uh, Lamar Jackson, but I don't think that Sammy Watkins himself is going to be very relevant for fantasy. Miles Boykin was the name I was looking for. Which his six foot four? That can't be right. Yeah, Miles Boykin's. Yeah, he's just bad. He's not small. <laughs> um, but the the name that we really haven't dove into here uh, in these wide receivers, we talked about all the other guys on the fringe. We haven't talked about what we think of this four year, seventy two million dollar man and Kenny Galladay going over to the Giants. So I know you said that you were liking Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. uh, but what do you think about Kenny G? Yeah, it all. De- I think it all just depends on what Daniel Jones does. I think that if mm-hmm. Daniel Jones take... Of the quarterbacks, I think that are most likely to take that Josh Allen step forward, um, that are, you know, their teams are surrounding them with this talent. So, you know, Daniel Jones... Tua and um, Sam Darnold are all three look uh, teams are trying to do that. It it appears um, though Sam Darnold is likely not going to be the starter anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Even though his team is surrounding him with weapons. Um, I think Daniel Jones has a chance to take that step forward. Um, And Kenny G is definitely going to be the biggest part of why. Um, I don't know. He's someone that I think, you know, certainly has the chance to be like maybe a back end wide receiver one. Um, but last year was essentially injured all year, missed mm-hmm. games the previous year. I'm, I love Kenny G. I've drafted him and I, I he was one of my keepers last year. Um, if he's healthy, I think he definitely has a really good shot of being like an eight to ten or eight to twelve range at, at you know maybe is certainly in the possibility. Um, but it all just depends on does Daniel Jones take that step forward? Yeah, um, do you see which this I give a... like a twenty five percent? I don't know. <laughs> do you see this as a downgrade or an upgrade coming from Matthew um, Stafford in Detroit? Well, so the thing is that he's not necessarily coming from Matthew Stafford in Detroit. He's coming from Jared Goff in Detroit now. Right. But the last time that we saw Kenny G with Matthew Stafford in a healthy season, he finished at something in that range of that 8 to Mm -hmm. 12 range, I think. And that was with a full season of Matthew Stafford, really in Kenny Galladay's breakout year, I would say. Um, so do you think he has that type of season in him with Daniel Jones or, um, cause I'm a little skeptical, um, especially considering the fact that they do have, you know, they have Saquon Barkley there who is going to demand a lot of targets mm-hmm. uh, they have Sterling Shepard there, um, who is going to demand at least some targets. They have Evan Ingram who has, uh, been a highly targeted tight end. So I think that there's <laughs> less. I mean, compared to the Lions, and it was Ken- mm-hmm. Kenny G and Marvin Jones and nobody else, uh, you know, they hadn't had a relevant tight end in that breakout season. They didn't have a running back that was demanding targets like Saquon was. Um, so I'm definitely seeing Kenny Galladay as more of like a back-end wide receiver too, 
he has upside certainly, but uh, I think I'd project him more in the like low teens, early twenties. So I'm probably probably won't be having him on any of my teams this coming year. Yeah, the the talent is certainly there. For sure. Um, so I, both of us believe in the talent. Um, I think certainly what we know of Daniel Jones right now is that he's a downgrade from Matthew Stafford is probably a downgrade from Jared Goff. Mm. Um, Although but, they both love to fumble. They have that in common. Um, but like I said, I a 25% chance to you know take a step forward to a Pro Bowl level is still a pretty good yeah. chance. I think I would take that chance. And of course, do I have any real proof of... <laughs> other than just guessing no but but that's what fantasy i, I think that it's is, so. yeah i think it, that that's certainly a possibility is that he takes a pro bowl step forward hmm. um as and if he does kenny g is going to be a major part of that um if he doesn't then i think kenny g certainly has the talent to still have a fine year um but yeah probably more maybe like 15 to 20 range. So yeah, maybe more like mid wide receiver two. That's um, uh, for me. I'm going to give you a little game with these wide receivers and then we can move on to tight ends and wrap it up. Um, this game is not as sophisticated as yours usually are. Um, it is purely just put them in order for next season. Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson. Um, I'm probably going to do, I'm going to do Alan Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin. So Robinson, the, uh, all three supremely talented, obviously. Right. Uh, it's not, a, it's not really a slight on any of them, but Chris Godwin lasts just because the position is much more clogged where he is. Yeah. So, you know, some days it's going to be a Mike Evans day. Some days it's going to be a Chris Godwin day. Some days it's going to be a Mr. Gronk day. Some days it might even be an Antonio Brown day if they bring him back. <laughs> Please, Mr. Gronk is my father. Call me Rob. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's what I, I would put Chris Godwin third out of those three. Um, Alan Robinson, I think that, um, your boy Andy is competent enough to get him the ball. We've seen him, you know, hyper target one player before. Yeah. We've seen him hyper target AJ Green over the years. So I think that being the best option there with a quarterback that has shown he can get at least one qu- one wide receiver the ball is going to give him the edge. Um, Kenny G has a little bit more around him that could be t- funnel off targets, has a little bit more of a question of the quarterback talent, but um, is not quite as clogged up as Chris Godwin, who, yeah, just I... the amount of other options around him is going to really restrict his ceiling. 
Yeah, I think I would put them in the exact same order, but I would, though, have all of them as lower as wide receiver 15 or lower for next season. Like, I don't want any of them as my wide receiver one um, on my team, but I'd, I'd put them in the same order as you. Um, but I think, especially for Allen Robinson, it sounds like you're a little bit more optimistic. Um, I think I would largely be okay with Allen Robinson as my wide receiver one. I, I mean, I would, targets. I would want... If I do, I don't know what his ADP is, but certainly would be drafting like a running back with my first pick, um, probably very high up. Um, Fantasy Football Calculator has him at, where are you? Oh, I skipped him. Fantasy Football Calculator has him at 308 right now. So so take, take two running backs. I, if I took like you know two running backs in the first two rounds, Allen Robinson in the third, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, so I think that's a appropriate value. I think uh, a third round pick for probably all three of them. Um, that I see them all pretty similarly, but uh, yeah, I agree with that order. Um, um and if it means anything, Godwin right now f- at four oh eight ADP and. Galladay at 411. So hmm. of the th- Robinson a full round above them, I would certainly draft Kenny G over uh Chris Godwin though, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I would too. There's definitely um there could be erratic seasons from both of them, inconsistent seasons from both of them, but uh I guess what we're saying is that Tom Brady is the worst quarterback uh, between him and Andy Dalton and Daniel Jones. Um, yeah, clearly. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, well, let's get into these uh, tight ends, I guess. Is there anything else you wanted to wrap up with wide receivers before we moved on? No, I think uh, we touched on pretty much everybody. <laughs> we we touched on almost everybody that <laughs> right. was signed. So unless you wanted to talk more Corey Davis um, and his impact on the Jets, uh, <laughs> we nah. can move on to tight ends. I'm good. Let's uh, let's spend an hour talking about your favorite tight end signing now. <laughs> so uh, on the tight end front, um, we had Jacob Hollister moving over to the Bills. Of course, the splash signing of Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry to the Patriots, Tyler Croft to the Jets, Ryan Izzo to the Texans, uh, Jared Cook to the Chargers, Kyle Rudolph to the Giants, Gerald Everett to the Seahawks, and the only tight end move that really mattered, Dan Arnold to the Panthers. (laughs) So, uh, Elijah, which ones stood out to you? I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, do you want to save your Dan Arnold moment like I saved my Andy Dalton moment? Yeah, just, I mean, you've waxed poetic about Bengals for half of the episode. I, it's only fair that I make a mediocre tight end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that sounds good. Uh, the one um, the one that is most interesting fantasy-wise, that's going to be most relevant fantasy-wise, I think is Jared Cook. Um Jared Cook has been really solid for the Saints for the past couple years. Uh, And with Hunter Henry leaving, I think Jared Cook is filling a really necessary role for the Chargers. Uh, It doesn't take a lot to be a top 10 tight end. 
and so I think that Jared Cook is going to be that top 10 tight end in what is probably he's got a few seasons left, um, you know, on the moonlight of his career. Um, but I think he's going to be a really solid weapon uh, over there for the Chargers. And I think that Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, unfortunately, if either one of them had gone to the Patriots, then I think it's a good signing and mm-hmm. I think they would be fantasy relevant. But the fact that both of them went there uh, really just destroys value for both of them. Um, and people, you know, because it's the Patriots, they want to reference the great season that Gronk and Aaron Hernandez had. But that is like the only time that two tight ends have been fantasy relevant. I mean, Ertz uh, and Goddard have both been relevant for stretches too, but it's like, it's so rare. And Mm -hmm. Cam Newton last season, uh, what he threw like, it was not great. I mean, the weapons were also not great, but but I don't know if he threw a touchdown pass. Like how many touchdown passes did he throw? eight i think yeah. and then he added like another 10 or 12 on the ground but right. not ideal um yeah. it's gonna be rough for them so i really think of these free agent moves um jared cook is the only one that's gonna be fantasy relevant to me um i will say i think gerald everett has a chance to do some things um we've seen at points mm-hmm. um you know will disley or someone else break out for the seahawks yeah. And we've seen at points Gerald Everett be okay. Um, maybe it's a situation like, um, you know, Janu and Hunter Henry in the same spot where maybe Everett and Higby in the same spot kind of just tank the mm-hmm. value for both of them. I It's possible. Um, and there's a little more could... room because Jacob Hollister left the Seahawks mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, I like that too. So, Gerald Everett could be a thing. I'm not touching Kyle Rudolph, Ryan Izzo, or Tyler Croft, or really Jacob Hollister either. But I will say, and now is my favorite time, <laughs> Dan Arnold to the Panthers is just a absolutely beautiful sentence. I had already drafted Dan Arnold to our Dynasty League uh, team before this news dropped by mm. like a couple months. I... As it is, Dan Arnold had already gotten way more discussion on this podcast than he probably <laughs> deserved. Um, but if you'll remember, at one point last year, he had four touchdowns in four games. Um, I looked up, he, he had the most yards per catch among tight ends with more than 25 receptions last year. So, How many total receptions did he have? Um, it was in the 30s. Uh, uh-huh. Let's see here. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't that close to where I was like, it, it wasn't that close to where I was like, he was the exact lowest bar of the uh, receptions for that okay. stat. Um, I think he had like 31. So, I mean, right, not too much. He didn't have 25. Yeah, he did not have 25. It wasn't like he had 25 receptions and th- that's where I decided to cut it off. No, he he w- cleared that bar by a little bit. All right. um, Fair enough. So I'll, let, I'll let you talk. Go ahead. Go ahead. Someone that can stretch the field. Uh, but the Panthers have not had a tight end essentially for like three years because even when Greg Olson was here the last couple of years was often banged up or ineffective. So 
Um, I'm interested to see what he could potentially do. Um, he is a player that I've been interested in for a while. So, um, you know, maybe he takes that step forward is a bigger piece of the offense, much like Greg Olson became once he came to Charlotte. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm just, I, I'm excited for the move. I, um, I think when the move came down, I immediately texted Elijah. It was just yeah. unnecessarily hyped about a, <laughs> you know, C-list tight end, but, um, he's an upgrade over Ian Thomas. He I think you might has be an upgrade shown... over Ian Thomas, Dick. <laughs> no, I, I, I'll give Ian Thomas enough credit to say that he is better at playing football than I am. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think that, uh, I'd like to see what Dan Arnold could do. He could do some things. I, you know, if you wait till like the 15th round to draft your tight end, draft Dan Arnold. Yeah. (laughs) That's my pitch. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. Um, and I think, you know, with Curtis Samuel leaving, there's at least more of a target share that's available for him to step into. Um, what do you think, you know, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but what do you think the Panthers are going to do at quarterback? Uh, they're drafting eighth, which mm-hmm. is a little bit late potentially, but I've like, looks like Justin Fields may be dropping, which I think is dumb. Um, but, you know, do you think that they draft the quarterback at eight if one of those five guys is there or are they going to stick with Teddy? Because uh, if it's Teddy and you have this tight end that can stretch the field, then that may not be worth as much as you want it to. It's, I think it's almost certainly not going to be Teddy. Um, uh, he's, he did fine last year, but was just the ceiling wasn't there. Um, he's fine. Yeah. He's very fine as if he's a backup top five backup, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, just wasn't what they need to, uh, you know, make it to the playoffs and go on a deep run, which is what the, everybody wants to do. Um, and uh, he played competently most of the year, but especially towards the end, it just kind of all fell apart where, um, you know, at some point the 60 yard field goals to end each game is just going to not, not going to do what you want. Um, so the trade that just went down this week, um, I, was it the 49ers traded up to the dolphins? Number three. Is that yeah, what I 49ers are at three dolphins moved to six. Um, and then Philly, is at 12 that they gave uh, the Dolphins their six pick. So that makes it more difficult, I think, because yeah. I don't think the 49ers trade up to three unless they are planning to take a quarterback. Right. And three was like probably the most likely slot for the Panthers to trade up to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's certainly possible that one of the at least the top four i think that most people view mac jones as a later first round i think um so mac jones 
will almost certainly reach him, but of those other four, that's a little bit more dicey. So maybe they move up. I think that are the Falcons at four. Yeah, Falcons um, are at four. Then Bengals, Dolphins, Lions. So, I mean, you're probably not going to be able to trade up to the Falcons at four. So if someone else decide just because division rival, they're not right. going to let you draft a quarterback that'll beat them for, you know, a decade. Um, so, but then that also doesn't mean that another team might not get up at four. So it's just going to be very, very difficult. And if they were looking to uh, draft one of those players, letting the 49ers trade up ahead of them is that makes a, it tougher. yeah, just a colossal mistake if that was the case. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I'm, I'm interested to see what Dan Arnold can do. Um, you know, it, if you like a player, then I'm happy to at least put a little bit of support behind him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, Jared Cook for me of all of these moves is really the only one that I'm drafting in fantasy next season with maybe a 15th round pick of Jared uh, Gerald Everett or Dan Arnold, like you said. Um, anything else you want to say on these tight ends before we uh, call it a show and say goodbye? Not really. I mean, yeah, just the heartbreak of removing Janu and Hunter Henry, both of which even... <laughs> Their fantasy value might get tanked, and they might still end up both being like top fifteen tight ends, just because right. the position is so atrocious. With three hundred yards and two yeah. touchdowns, yeah, just a abominable, um, abysmal, and just yeah, um, that's really the only thought. Is like, man, we already had so few good things at this position, and now we have too fewer. Right. But maybe we got Dan Arnold, so... Maybe we one... got, yeah, got rid of... We lost Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, but we gained Dan Arnold, which is, uh, of course, a win for the fantasy community. It's a win for this podcast, that's for damn sure. Hopefully a win for my dynasty team. <laughs> All right, so yeah, did you have any other thoughts before we wrap up? I think I'm good. Um, yeah, just... Uh, I think it's been a really interesting free agency uh, and it'll be really interesting to see how some of these players potentially make some impacts. Um, And oftentimes in free agency, what you learn more about is the teams that the players leave rather than the teams that they go to is where you find the fantasy relevance. So I think that's something uh, to consider as we go into the off season and end up going into the season, see what the, what holes get filled by other folks. Yeah, um, it's definitely going to be one of the more unique off seasons, I think, because with the cap going down is such a rare occurrence that right. I don't think it's ever happened before. Yeah. So um, it's definitely going to be a unique off season where people are kind of weighing the long term versus, uh, you know, something that'll maybe get short term that'll get them more money next year in ways that they don't usually do. Um, so yeah. Um, on the writing front, I have, again, 
largely don't write about sports and mostly focusing on like movie things so um if you want to check out i just released four articles about the new amazon prime tv show invincible this week um elijah i don't think you have anything coming down the pike on that front yet though at the moment working on that trying to (laughs) coerce you into doing some writing um but yeah maybe i'll drop that for those that care to read about invincible in the show notes but um yeah other than that i think that once again our next um podcast after this may 7th i think tentatively Yeah. yeah first friday in may so um we will be back then um, until then, uh, I'm Nick Luciano, and you can follow me on Twitter at Nick G. Luciano. And I'm Elijah Motika, and you can follow me on Twitter at Elijah Motika. And uh, be sure on social media, let us know if there are any of these free agents that uh, we missed that we should have talked about or that you disagree with, uh, and hit us up. Let's have a conversation. And uh, be sure to rate and subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, we'll see you next time, guys. When you try to set your line up, but you don't know what to do. You can't make your mind up, need someone to turn to. We've got your back, we've got the stats, we'll help you block out all the haters. For fantasy football help, call 25 Yards Later. Thank you for listening to this podcast from 25 Years Later Media. Audio recording and music by Elijah Motika.